Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we are back with our popular segment where we interview founders and professionals from the world of sports and sports tech. And today I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Roy J. Ackers. Roy, welcome to the show, buddy. How's things? Things are really good, Ahmad. Thank you for having me on. No, it's my uh, absolute pleasure. Roy, um, so basically, you're the founder of the MidwestSportsScene.com. Uh, before we, we get into all that, let's go back a few years and take me through where it all started for you. Well, I, um, I had a uh, desire to, to broadcast. I think uh, I knew my calling uh, when I was uh, eight years old. <laughs> of all crazy things, uh, Ernie Harwell, who's in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, listening to him and the Lions play-by-play. I love playing sports, and I love uh, I, I followed sports. I read three newspapers a day. Did you not? When I, by the time I was seven, eight years old, and uh, I still read up to three papers till several years ago because now you can't get them in every day. They're electronic now. Uh, I read a lot of newspapers, and I've always followed sports. Uh, watched a tremendous amount of sports on TV. So I knew that's what I wanted to do, um, and I did it to the detriment of my classes. It had nothing to do with broadcasting. Like, I take biology. I'm like, why am I taking this? I want to broadcast. What's going on? So um, so I got involved with my school radio station. Uh, when I went to college, I took communications. I went to Michigan State, and uh, I, took, uh, I was in broadcast journalism up there. Um, there really was no opportunities to do play-by-play uh, at the college level then. I think now there is, but at that time there was not. So I came back to local cable, and I started broadcasting high school games. There really was no chance for a young guy. There was no Internet. There were no podcasts. There were none of those kinds of things to go to, uh, you know, western Michigan or northern Illinois or south, south Florida, wherever you go to school to do that. And uh, so I uh, got involved in the broadcast journalism, and, and I covered uh, some of that type of thing. But when I came back, I started doing a local cable, and I started working for uh, Comcast Network uh, in our local deal, and I was doing high school sports, and we had some advertising. And eventually, I bought time from a local radio station, and uh, I sold ads to um, – various you know car dealers uh tuxedo shops anybody that would probably have a high school need and so i got started that lasted a while but the funny thing was this radio station could go 40 miles one way and couldn't go 40 feet the opposite direction so i have some people listening to me from uh, in Canada, and then I'd have some people three blocks from the station going, "Hey, I can't get you." And I could uh, I couldn't do anything about that. It was an AM station. It's like when the sun went down, 
they had the power down. So wow. <laughs> for a while, and and, uh, and I did that for a while. I was also the news director of a radio station in uh, uh, North Carolina, and that was a tough circumstance. It had nothing to do with sports. We did get NASCAR piped into us through the, I think, the Motor Racing Network. But uh, but anyway, so I was involved doing those kinds of things. But I, I know I went on and on talking about things. But my first job out of college is a news director. I made $8,400 my first full year. And uh, the cheapest thing I could eat that was protein was shrimp. It was $2 a pound, and it was cheaper than hamburger. This is in North Carolina, if you can believe that. Wow. And it was pretty bad. And then, so then uh, that job ended. That job, uh, it's a long, long story. I got offered another job for $7,000 which would have been a better opportunity except for I couldn't make it on 8,400. This was in 1986. And so, uh, so later that, when I came back, they were going to pay me 7,000. And, um, I heard the cost of living was higher there. And I'm like, I can't, I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it at 8,400, but I figured I'd only be there enough to get to where I really needed to get to. But, so anyway, it's just the way it was. Wow, that's a bit of a journey, really. Um, okay, so you started, you were working with a radio station that could only go one way, <laughs> and now you've seen this transition in, um, in technology where you have uh, podcasts easily accessible like this one. You have video media that you can push out to hundreds of thousands, millions of people with a click of a button. How, like, how has this technology changed the, the industry? I mean, what's, how have you seen the change? How has it affected your, your industry? Well, I think the change is just in how people get their information. Um, I've seen some good and some bad with it. Uh, I'll leave politics and all that out of it, but to me, I think that it's giving people, uh, your average person, a chance to do things such as build a website, have a podcast, get their opinions heard. I think that some stars have come out of these podcasts and so forth, people that really should have a voice that didn't before. Um, I think it's really good to give people a chance. I think it's also helped out, um, like, like newspapers in our country, uh, are, uh, are dying, are, some cases are dead. And, but it, those newspapers, and I was part of the TV shows for the Oakland Press. We were doing, a, I was on their newscast for the news, uh, and I did sports for them as well. I was covering golf. I was on their magazine show for a while until they canceled it. Um, it's giving newspapers a chance to have a second life as a multimedia format. I've even seen big newspapers. I've seen Fox. I've seen ESPN to some to a small degree. Um, they're all doing these podcasts on the air. They're delivering things. They're even giving reporters that they don't really have time to put on the air a chance to have a second life. Uh, like the fantasy sports shows, you know, they're not going to put those fantasy sports 
shows on at seven o'clock and you replace Sports Center, but you can go on if they can have a micro content for that. So to me, that's a kind of a cool format. It's a very niche audience. I don't care for I like I play fantasy sports, but I would never listen to a podcast for that because they're they always have the start and sit segments, and I'm like, well, I don't have those two players. Matter of fact, I don't have either one of them, so it's not going to help. Um, but there are people that really get into that, and I am seeing a lot of great opinions coming out of that. Um, I think podcasts like yours are awesome because it gives you a chance for a voice. Uh, it gives you also a chance to hone your voice so that if maybe you're not quite ready to be where you want to go, but in time you might be. And if people like what you got to say, that could be the thing that jumps you over the fence. Um, my age, I'm in my mid to late 50s now. I wish this technology would have been here 30, 35 years ago because uh, your future looks a lot brighter than mine is just because of the time, you know. I presume you're in your 20s or early 30s. So. Yeah, exactly 30. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, basically what what the what you just said basically sums up our our podcast. It's to to give those a voice that wouldn't regularly have one, or those that do have one more of a voice, basically. So um, sure. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, things have changed as 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 you have just mentioned. Um, how do you how do you see things evolving in your industry moving forward? Because now there's so much content being created. There's so many channels to push it through. Um, how is sporting organized? Because you you work with NASCAR, PGA, like a lot of these top sporting bodies. So how are they um, absorbing all this? Uh, is, is there a difference with the way they're, they're giving out media passes, so on, so on? Well, I think... I'm going to tell you a story that it's kind of a sad story, but this happened a few months ago. Um, I went to, I covered NASCAR at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was just bought last week by Roger Penske, who I interviewed earlier this summer. And uh, and going to, who bought the track, I didn't talk to him about this because I don't cover, I could cover NASCAR. I could, if I had the money, somebody, I had a, a media sponsor, sugar daddy sponsor, that I, I would travel all over the country. I don't have that. So I only cover select events. So getting to that, getting back to Indianapolis, what a beautiful speedway. They have seats covering about 300,000. But they had, I don't even think, around the entire track, 20,000 fans for the Bookyard 400. And so to me... That is kind of sad. You're talking, and I, I've, I've been to an Indianapolis 500 since I was a kid. I hope to go next spring. I love the facility. It's not a very good place to see a car race. It's a terrible place because there's buildings on the track. I'm, you see my hands here. Uh, computer screen is level track. They're four stories high. You can't see anything but what's coming down from turn four to turn one. I like to see the whole track. And so there are NASCAR tracks that allow you that. There are some NASCAR tracks that don't allow you that or have obstructions to one degree or another. Um, so to me, you're going, what does that have to do with anything? Well, a lot of sports right now, from the NFL to NASCAR to golf, to you name the sport, 
the, the graphics are so good, the coverage is so good of the sports that a lot of fans are not going to the uh, to see baseball or NASCAR or a golf event the way they used to because TV is so good. Why would you spend twenty dollars or ten dollars for a beer or you know twenty five dollars for three beers, whatever the case might be? You could sit at home, have all the beer you want, not get a DUI, watch the players, get the graphics, and, the, and you can go upstairs if you want to during the commercial break and come back down and pick up the action. And even in the NFL, I just sent a thing out recently. There are several NFL stadiums that are half empty uh, during NFL games. That's not something you would have seen three, four, five, ten years ago. Now you're seeing that. Uh, you go to the Detroit Tigers right now, they're getting two and 3,000 fans a game. They're announcing 15,000 tickets sold, and I, I presume that's the truth, but people aren't going to the game. So I'm seeing that the technology is so good. Now, you ask about getting into sporting events. It's still very difficult to get into sporting events for startups like you or me because when I was with Detroit Sports Media, I, I, I could go to any game I wanted for any of the teams, and I covered them. I mean, I, I was right next to Bill Belichick. I interviewed Rob Gronkowski. I Tom Brady. I did all that kind of stuff, and that was pretty awesome stuff. You know, I mean, I went to Alan Trammell, who's in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I was in this press conference. I, all these press conferences, talked to the athletes, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who cares, you know? But – I got to do all that, but then when I, uh, when my time with them ended and I went out on my own, I still had things built up. Uh, in the press room at, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is a huge press room, five or six hundred media can attend that. I don't know how many attend the Brickyard because I or Indianapolis 500 because I haven't done one yet. But the Brickyard, I don't think there were 40 people there, maybe 60 with the camera people backing up the reporters out of 500 that room was empty so um and then in the pro golf um there were probably 20 percent of the seats filled um i'll give you an example in pro golf in the old days they used all the newspapers had their own golf writers the free press had their own golf writers the Detroit news had their own golf writers usa today they have their well they still send people out but the local papers don't go anymore uh, they don't go to a lot of these events. And so it is, if you're a podcaster and you are really dedicated and you have a, a particular website that can show somebody like a tournament director for the PGA Tour or um, like I can cover the Mac for football uh, this year, um, uh, which is, if you're familiar with the Big Ten, I still have trouble getting into. I still cover the Big Ten events. I'll be going to the championship game in about a month. But if you, you're the right to uh, Ohio State, so I'm a mod, and I, you know, I've got my podcast. I want to come out. I, I don't mean I'm not being mean to you because I, I'm telling you they're probably going to tell you no and they tell me no. Um, but the Big Ten lets me in, so it's kind of weird that way. Um, and so I do get to talk to the big people. I mean, I talk to. Uh, I was there last year when, um, oh, God, Urban Meyer lied to the press. I was, And then he ended up, that turned into being a Waterloo. I was there for that. 
Uh, and then the guy from uh, Maryland, the coach there, when when the player died, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name right now, but he got let go. Um, and then so, you know, I, so I've seen a lot of really – and as a podcaster, if you really have the focus and you can show some of your – showcase some of your work, I think that they're inclined to give you a chance at some of those sporting levels. But uh, as far as the NFL, you're still king. And it's tough to get a, a press credential. It even was for Detroit Sports Media uh, for a while. But I was in there. I did a great job. I talked to the PR guy. He was going to let me in. But they had to weigh it with all their requests. And so I just missed a uh, And it was bad because I did some really good things for the team. I did a few good stories last year. So it, it is what it is. Wow. Awesome. Okay. How, how do you see things moving forward in, in, in this space? Are things going to get tougher? How, how are these teams going to adjust to the lack of audience and so on? Um, I think audiences are going to get more and more fragmented um, as more and more people like you and me do this, that have a desire to do it and are willing to play the long game and uh, keep pushing out content that's quality content. Um, I would say to hone your coverage. Uh, I would say to hone your coverage into one or two or three things that you do really well. Um, unless you're like a bleacher report, you started off small and now they're huge and they cover everything and they get a lot of people to work for them for free. For free people. And, and, and so if you can cover, if you can get like a student to cover Louisville football and the student to cover Tennessee football, and you get them to cover, you, you can get one or two or three students from each of those schools. I'm trying to get my hand in your picture here. That's right. Then you can probably expand and build it so that maybe you can cover some of those bigger teams. Uh, as far as where, I, if you can't, you're almost going to find a niche. So whether your niche is video, whether your niche is golf, whether your niche is swimming, whether your niche is Major League Baseball, or whatever, um, I think that more people are going to have to hone in on those niches. Some people only cover recruiting. So I do see more niche reporting. I do see more fragmented off, uh, audiences. And what it's going to mean, ultimately, is in the old days, if, you were, if you're on ABC, the local affiliate, you might get 300,000 people looking at you. Well, Detroit only has 900,000 people in it. So if you if you got thirty thousand people looking at your broadcast channel seven, you're pretty good. Not and then if you're a smaller little website like mine who gets X amount of hits a month, um, you, you've got a very fragmented audience. And what that means is you've got to be able to sell that to a sponsor. And if you can't, you're doing it for free. Um, or you you know because people now. That own, that own a website that can get a buck, they're keeping most of the money for the salespeople and the people that produce the website. They're not paying a reporter very much. Yeah. And you've got to find a way to break through all that. And it's been a struggle for me. I don't know. Talk to me about sponsors buying ads. How has that been as of recent times? Well, sponsors like to do trades as much as possible uh, unless you've got something like like I work with some golf resorts. And 
they're, uh, the big rub for me is they'll let me play golf all I want for free. They'll let me stay in their accommodations if they have them free. But it's tough to get money out of them unless they can see. They want to see that you got X amount of viewers. And even have these things, these little ticklers they can put on your my website to see if anybody's checking their ad. I don't know how they do that. I, I really don't. But they want to see that because they may, if they buy an ad for you or you say, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll just put your ad on my website for free, see how many hits, see if you get any packages. And if they're not getting very many they're not, or any, they're not going to book you and pay that big dollar. If you can prove to them that you got people and you can bring some golfers up there or you can bring some people to their sporting event, uh, that's what they'll do because ultimately when people let you come in with credentials, they want to make sure that you have an audience so that people, you know, people will care and maybe buy a ticket to their event. Um, that's ultimately what they want. So I, I, to me, it's been a very tough thing. It's been a chicken or the egg, Ahmad. And what I mean, uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg. And so you've got to have content to get sponsors. You got to get viewers to get sponsors, and it's just a, it's a tough balance, and um, it, it's really really a tough balance for me, and, and it's been a struggle. Yeah, not only you, I think it's uh, actually across the board. So awesome. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah, um, Roy, thank you very much. You've been great. I mean, you've shared many years of wisdom with us in in less than twenty minutes. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, before we wrap it all up. Where can where can people find you guys online? Well, they go to www.midwestsportsscene.com. And for the show that I primarily do, I've ended it for the golf season. We got our first snowstorm a few days ago. Uh, I also have a golf show called Michigan Golf Scene. Um, I've done shows. I've interviewed uh, not only Michigan people, but I've also, I did a show with Jack Nicholas. I've had Tom Watson on my show. Uh, I've had pretty much a lot of people from the PGA Tour, Dustin Johnson, uh, to a lot of the lady tours from uh, Lexi Thompson, a lot of the Asian players, a lot of American. And Brooke Henderson's been on my show. So I've had a lot of top-notch people. So if they check it out, go to Michigan Golf Scene if you like the golf park. I have I have had a few other shows on there from the Big Ten uh, that I've done, and you know segments with Tom Izzo. Uh, I also fly my drone. I, I know I'm talking to you about stuff now. I'm getting beyond it, but I've also flown my drone in the show and that kind of thing. I'm a licensed pilot, so the show is awesome. I like to do it with more other sports too, but that's you know that's my um, Chamber of Commerce promotion. Chamber Awesome, no worries. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Roy J. Eckers, thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder Podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?